everyone, this is Robert Gowan. You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast in the Strategy Room. And uh, tonight, uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Rob Clapper from uh, Your Grateful Nation. And I've got, uh, as well in the room, uh, Mike Pritz, Scott Kinder, and uh, Rudy Lindsay. And it's going to be a great show because the show's topic tonight is going to be about marketing your skills. But before we get into that, of course, we want to invite our guest into the show and uh, have an opportunity to hear a lot more about the programs that... Um, he's going to be telling us about the Your Grateful Nation uh, offer. So welcome to the show, Rob. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it and uh, looking forward to a good night. Absolutely. So um, with the, uh, you know, with the, the Your Grateful Nation and everything, I know that it kind of really follows suit with a lot of the stuff that we're probably going to be talking about uh, this evening with uh, marketing your skills, at least in a lot of the stuff that I looked at online. Um, so, um, tell us a little bit about though, who they service or who you guys service and uh, a little bit about a uh, highlight of the programs and stuff. So, um, we're a, uh, a 501c3 nonprofit foundation that was established, uh, specifically to support special operators. Um, so our mission set is only designed and, and we only exist to really reach out and, and support special operators as they transition from active duty into the private sector. Um, and without going, and we'll talk more obviously as we continue the conversation, uh, but uh, about what that process entails. But really, uh, we're designed and we exist to take uh, a special operator coming out of uh, any one of the military special operations units uh, from active duty service, whether it be retiring or transitioning, help them through that transition process, and ultimately uh, successfully place them in the private sector. That's great. So it's, uh, I mean, you're working with a lot of high-end private sector organizations, though. I mean, these are not your average kind of -of run-of-the-mill as well, right? I mean, your clients that you're kind of servicing, you don't have to name them, but, I mean, you're working with some really good uh, folks, as I understand the background. Correct. We work with everything from Fortune 50, Fortune 100, Fortune 200, Fortune 500 companies. Um, You know, names that everybody's familiar with, uh, and even some that aren't, you know, everything from... Uh, Raytheon, General Electric, to uh, Flextronics, or now known as Flex, to Nestle. Um, so we cover all the, we try and cover is, uh, and have contacts throughout all of the industry sectors. So whether it's manufacturing or whether it's um, uh, cybersecurity or whether it, so technology, or whether it's even uh, entrepreneurial. And some, some of our guys are very interested in going out on their own and uh and being uh you know the next budding entrepreneur and so really we try and um have enough influence and enough contacts throughout uh a majority of industry sectors so that when somebody comes into our program we can expose them and create informational opportunities for them to learn really what is the best fit for them yeah because i mean you really sit down with them uh and get to know what their purpose or passion is and what kind of drives them and motivates them um, not just from the military perspective, but what, what drives them individually so that you can place them within the right area, right? Uh, I mean, that's a lot of what you guys are doing in the very beginning. Absolutely. It's, uh, so the, the community, as all of uh, Rudy, Mike, and Scott know, as well as you do, Robert, the community they're coming out of is very high touch. It's very personalized. Um, and so we try and take that same process and implement it within your Grateful Nation. And so it's very high touch. It's, we assess each one of, uh, every individual comes in, assesses very differently. We identify what their interests are and where their skills are, and then ultimately we go out and then we explore 
really what opportunities would be a good fit. And when we explore, we look at those industries that would be a, the, a, the best fit for them and the roles within those industries. And then we, we create a list of interests. And then from there, we prep them, we work with them, and then we ultimately execute. So when it's time for them to interview, uh, they ultimately land the job that's the best fit for them. And, uh, and so really, it's a very personalized approach. Um, and, and really, I, I think that in a lot of ways separates us from a lot of other organizations, but most importantly, it's the, it's the same environment that all of our special operators are accustomed to. They trust, and so we try and replicate the same with, through our process. That's really awesome. I mean, the fact that you can kind of, um, well, first off, you're dealing with Fortune 50 type companies, but then you're also getting to know more about um, them and placing them in the right industry and the right jobs. I think it just makes not only for um, a, a good mix with the, the companies that you're working with, but I think it really... Uh, takes advantage of that individual and ensures that their longevity with that company, they're going to be, you know, providing uh, better uh, products, services, whatever it may be, because they're they're happier in what they're doing. Um, you know, well, you're not I, trying to force them into a, a square peg into a round hole. You know. No, I, I, well, it do, if if we try and do that, it doesn't it, it doesn't uh, we're, we're unsuccessful on both sides of the equation. We're unsuccessful with the company we're trying to to build a relationship with and we're unsuccessful with the, the special operator we're trying to place. Um, ultimately, if we do our job right and, and our mission is successful, we place a guy in a position that he has upward mobility, he has a strong financial future, um, he's passionate about what he's doing, and the byproduct of all of that is we actually stabilize the family, his family, um, because after years and years of deployments, after years and years of up and moving, uh, on different PCS assignments, TDY assignments, whatever it was. Well, it takes its toll. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it gives us an opportunity to finally create a little bit of stability in that family, it, but also in a way that they, they can attach to something that is a strong cultural fit and it's a strong uh, values fit. And they'll find, the, and, and as soon as, the, and what we have found from who we've placed is as soon as they get in, they set the world on fire. So it's a matter of really breaking down just that initial barrier of getting them through the door because once they're in, uh, literally six months later, they're being talked about for the next promotion. How do they get more guys like them? Um, so when we have one success story, it literally begets another success and another success. And so um, it, it's really an amazing thing to watch. And so I'm very honored. I, I'm, I'm privileged in the fact that I get to work with these amazing heroes every, each and every day and, and help them understand and be able to break down really what they're passionate about, where their passion will be a good fit, and, and take those same skill sets they learned, uh, whether it was on a special forces team um, or on a Navy SEAL team or wherever it was, take those same skill sets and, and, and achieve the same level, if not greater success in the private sector. So kind of walk me through it. Let's say that I was coming to you uh, from that. W would I fill out uh, some kind of forms to get it started? Uh, how does it kind of really begin, um, the process, that is? So uh, ironically, you know, a lot of, a lot of our uh, folks or a lot of our donors and supporters come back to us and like, well, why aren't you doing advertising? Why aren't you out on Facebook? Well, it's pretty simple because that's not the community we came out of. Uh, the community we came out of and all of our guys came out of was very personalized. Um, in, a, in a lot of ways, some of these guys, uh, the units they served in, it was very clear. It was a thumbs up or a thumbs down. 
So it's all about credibility. So if you're really interested in coming to us, you log on to our webpage. There's a, uh, there's a page that says apply. You fill out that. And from that, that's really the start point. And then from there, we have a four-phase approach we take you through. Um, but really, the start point is uh, whether it's a referral, whether it's a, a somebody who's been a success story is referring other guys that are following behind him, um, or whether it's somebody who just found us by surfing the internet. Um, you know, go online, uh, hit apply, and uh, fill out the the one-page form. It's very simple. It's not. You don't have to tell me your life history or. More importantly, you don't have to sign over your firstborn, uh, but you fill out some basic information, and then from there, we walk through the four phases that is uh, the YGN process. So, um, you know, did you fill out kind of a wish list or, you know, like, for instance, uh, I maybe I don't want to move. Maybe I'm in the right location. I'm in uh, North Carolina or I'm in Seattle or something, and that's really where I want to call home. Um, you know, do you kind of help them with that process or do you find that a lot of the companies that you're working with are really all over geographically and it may cause uh, a little bit of even disruption when you're talking about the family situation there? Well, I think that's a driving factor. I mean, yeah. in the initial conversation that I have, so so let's talk about if they go online and fill it out. Yeah. It's very basic. It's tell me your name, uh, email address, branch of service, current city you're in, which clearly tells me whether you're Army or Navy, uh, Air Force or Marine. Um, and then tell me a little bit about yourself, which is can be three sentences, six sentences, whatever somebody's comfortable with. That comes to me uh, directly. I take a look at it, I analyze it, uh, and figure out kind of, all right, um, so what are our next steps? I then reach directly out to that individual, that special operator, and then from that point on, that's when we begin to have the conversation about the driving factor. Yeah, that's great. So. Uh, Moving? Do you have a spousal employment situation that is uh, a driver? What are your economic and family drivers? And then we go from there to talk about really what those next steps are. But it's clearly part of the the transition process. Now, do you it work like you're taking the whole soldier into account, which is awesome, um, Rob? What's the how, how long does that process take on average? I know it's, it'll be different uh, pending uh, the the skill set you're dealing with, uh, but. You know, from start to finish, from soup to nuts. Let's. Uh, how long does it take to get somebody through through the um, pipeline there? Shortest we've ever had is three weeks, and that was because the stars completely lined up. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, on average, it's anywhere between four and six months. Um, and so that's why we we try and encourage all of the um, the operators that come to us to you know to as much as they can please reach out to us as soon as you begin your transition process. As soon as you decide that you know, your time has come to an end for whatever reason, whether it's retirement or transition, and you're dropping the, that paperwork, that's when you need to contact us. Not because you're fully accessible, we understand that, uh, but, at the same, but so we can begin to identify those areas, you know, those driving factors, sure, sure. And, and, uh, and, and begin to have a little bit longer lead time. Um, but yeah, to, your, to answer your question, it can range uh, anywhere between three weeks and six months. That's really kind of the, the time period that we've yeah. had to work with. One of, one of the things we're pushing, one of the things we're pushing through Mentors for Military is, is at least at a minimum, we try to get guys seriously thinking about the transition that's upcoming about a year out. Um, and that should give you, from what it sounded like, that should give you plenty of opportunity and plenty of time to, to coordinate and um, you know establish some kind of relationship with, with individuals and organizations such as yourself to, to get them set up for a successful transition. 
the greatest success rate we've had are those that actually reach out to us a year out because yeah. you can one you can uh, manage expectations. I mean, let's be honest. That's really what it boils yeah. down to. Is so here's your so your expectation is you're going to walk out tomorrow. You know, you're going to walk up the next day um, after you leave the army or leave the military, and you're going to walk into a six figure job. You know, but yet you really don't even know what you want to do. Um, and so, sure. you know, it, the longer time we have to manage those expectations, narrow down the where those strengths are, that skills, the more successful we are. Uh, I mean, that's not to say that if we don't have, I mean, we've been very lucky. And I will say, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, obviously. But we've been yeah. very lucky. Uh, you know, one, one story that really jumps out is one of our first candidates that we ever had go through the program reached out to me. He had returned from deployment. He was coming out of 5th Special Forces Group. Um, he was a weapons sergeant, and he was coming off, and he was coming back from deployment. He literally got back Halloween 2014. And he was due to exit. His transition date was January 2nd, 2015. Um, and so we literally had that very short amount of time. Yeah, that's now, a lot. <laughs> now, unbelievably, like when I said, the stars can align sometimes. Yeah, the yeah. stars aligned. We had a connection. And more importantly, he had a driver. He had to stay within, um, not really in the Clarksville area, but certainly within the Tennessee area. Mm -hmm. Wanted to stay near Nashville. We were able to uh, actually position him to outperform um, other uh, candidates that were applying for a team leader position with General Electric Aviation uh, in manufacturing. Okay. And he actually outperformed and went into a, actually a management uh, level position um, oh, and, wow. and started January 4th. So yeah. um, that's why I said, you know, those are a lot harder, uh, but they're not, but it's not something we can't uh, work through. Um, but, sure, to, sure. but but clearly to your point, the longer time we have, the easier it is to assess, to explore, prepare, and then ultimately get them positioned for that that right fit. So, yeah. uh, what is what is typically the um, maybe on average uh, the the level that some individuals might be going into? Because it sounds like you're working with um, companies that certainly understand the, the group that you're. A, you know your client base that you're working with and everything the talents and skills that they bring to the table and more than likely they may be placing them in positions that match those talents a lot better and as well as their strengths and management styles higher than per se some um, companies that tend to focus on four or five placement jobs or you know that um, they they want military for the values and discipline and stuff they bring but it's much different so I'm just curious as to uh, when you're working with this organizations these organizations what do you find that um, uh, placement can vary uh, maybe might be helpful you know well so I, so this the starting factor I have so this is separate from a conversation with a candidate so uh, let's uh, move for a second to a conversation with a potential employer. Um, the first conver the, the, the very first conversation we have is based upon salary compensation because our ultimate goal at your grateful nation is is to create a, uh, a you know essentially a clear path um, for every special operator into the private sector and that path and by that I mean um, if they have developed and created a uh, quality of life, based upon um, a compensation level on active duty, then our immediate goal is whatever that compensation level was at its highest point. Uh, by that I mean a, um, 
uh, I'm going to use a Navy SEAL, for example. So uh, a, a Navy SEAL on a conventional SEAL team uh, is drawing additional pays for whatever, hazards duty, uh, yeah. halo pay, whatever. Um, all of those pays, well, as soon as he deselects himself, um, those pays stop. As soon as yeah. you say, for the most part, you're leaving or you're retiring, those pays stop. So it drops and it drops, and ultimately, especially, and if they're luckily, if they're retiring, it's fifty to sixty percent of that. If it's not, and they're transitioning, they get zero. So our goal, they built a quality of life, and they built a uh, family budget, for lack of a better term, uh, based upon X dollars. So our first immediate goal, when I talk to any company with this individual candidate in mind, is our starting our starting conversation. Is, is really to replenish where they were on active duty uh, because right. that, is, that is basically to, to, to help them set, move into the quality, you know, to support their quality of life. Now, that's a start point, but given their skill sets and some additional points, you know, it's a, so actually it's not a start point. That's the disqualifier. If they can't meet that, then they're disqualified. We go to another employer. So that is, that is the, if you want to look at it, that is the start point. That is not the end point. That's not ultimately where we want to get to. Yeah, I love it. I, I, you know, Robert, I dealt with that exact same issue in, in one of the conversations we had uh, amongst ourselves with a sidebar earlier on, uh, not today, but uh, previous episodes, was uh, we thought about doing another episode on, on companies, civilian companies in the business sector, kind of struggling with stereotyping the military. And one of the things that I had a personal experience with in my transition was one of the first offers that I made, the first thing that we discussed, and you were spot on, was the salary and what my expectation was for the salary. Well, the first thing out of the out of the potential employer's uh, mouth during an interview was, you know, based on what rank I was when I left active duty. And I, I was kind of shocked by that because, again, you take away all the all the special pays, you take away all the all the extra things, and it's it's not that high. And to be Quite honest, it, it wasn't anything worth what uh, what I felt my self worth was, and and I you know inevitably I thanked them for their time and, and moved on to a, to a better opportunity. But um, you know one of the things we got to be careful of, and I'm glad to hear you saying that is is that that start point is is at the at the highest level of their peak, as opposed to you know comparing it just to their rank because um, it, it's, it's quite a difference, especially in the special uh, special operations community. Well, and to your point, I mean, the additional skill sets, the uh, cultural immersions, the language, the, the languages, um, you combine all of that and it, it far exceeds, I, you know, and, and the, the, uh, the comparison I always use um, when speaking to groups is I've got a Harvard graduate mixed with an Olympic athlete. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it doesn't matter what rank they were. I got a Harvard graduate yeah, mixed exactly. with an Olympic athlete. So, so our start point is you know, related to compensation. And then secondly, it's upward mobility, level of responsibility. Um, you know, they're not going to go in. So we, we potentially design our guy, or position our guys not to go in with anything that's not an upper level management. And, and upper level sure. management is, it can be slightly, uh, I mean, that's one of those terms that can be mean different things to different folks. I mean, it can be a mid-level management depending on the skill set or depending on, you know, their experience level. But, that's really the target we go into. And so, um, you know, and a lot of times I have a lot more conversations with employers that are not a good fit for our guys and then not a good fit for your Grateful Nation. And that's not to say they don't have the right, uh, you know, they truly have the passion and the, and the heart 
to help you know veterans as a whole it's just not necessarily a right fit for the skill sets and the abilities um, and experiences that a special operator brings to the table and, and you know and, and they really are different there's a reason that our average age is, that I work with is 33 two kids um, has you know 10 you know eight eight plus deployments normally over 10 years on active duty and one one or, or more um, versus you know somebody who did a four-year you know four-year stint still did great uh, did a great service to our country and I don't take anything away from anybody who served it's just a different skill set and we have to position that differently yeah all those saying everything you're saying uh, stating here you know not only applies to the special operations guys now now I got it you're, you're catering and focusing on on special operations uh, soldiers but you know in mentors for military we address all those topics and we apply it across the field all branches of service all branches of the military um, but uh, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that not only do you guys screen your candidates well, and then we'll tie this into to how to effectively market your skills later in the show. But uh, not only are you screening the candidates, but you're also screening the employers uh, within the business sector. That is key. Awesome. That oh, that's is, uh, that's that really good. Yeah, I love that uh, concept because I mean you're vetting both sides, so you're trying yeah. to to create a, a solid marriage here that lasts. But you know, you're building a rapport and a relationship with the private sector community that you're you're um, working with that they begin to value and trust what you're seeing and bringing to the table. Like you said, Rob, you you shoot off a couple uh, individuals to them. They start to see that value and the value that those individuals are bringing to that company. And next thing you know, they're like, well, where can we get five more? How can we get 10 more and everything? If more companies could see that and see that value at the very beginning, I think yep. we'd make a lot of headways in the private sector when it comes to military transition and veterans, because there are. I'm not. I'm not saying that there's going to be military people that are transitioning out um, that are automatically should be placed into higher levels or skilled or qualified above certain peer groups and everything. What I am saying, though, is that if you properly vet both sides of it and do the proper due diligence and ask the right questions, you can find the right marriage. And in some cases, it may be at higher level positions um, than than some you know organizations would place them. Um, and I I like the way you're you're ma uh, marrying those two organizations or the two things together, especially with regards to, to core character traits, because yeah. character traits is that's not something you could teach overnight that's not a skill that uh you know that usually that's a skill you're you're evolved into uh that to own and to have and to demonstrate and and to be able to assess that accurately married up with a with a potential employer that's 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 awesome yeah. like well that. there's a question well, in the chat room sorry robert but uh for rob clapper ryan yeah. neal is asking if there is time and service or rank disqualifiers at ygn so absolutely not the only disqualifier is, is uh, our mission is very laser focused. Um, you have to have served time uh, within a uh, special operations unit. Um, and so that's the only disqualifier we have, um, whether it was four years or 28 years. Um, and we have all and we have all and we actually have that that bandwidth currently in the program. <laughs> I've got a deputy group commander <laughs> at one point. And I've got a, uh, I've got one guy who's uh, finishing up his first enlistment, um, and we're happy to we're happy to serve him as long as they meet that basic criteria. So, how long has YGN been around then? Um, well, before we get to that, Robert, let me go back to one 
one factor you talked sure. about on the employer. And what I was going to say is we were so committed to it that immediately we, we identified um, our greatest obstacle with a lot of these companies is the HR departments. Um, it yeah. is a 23 or 24 year old is the one that's doing the resume intake yeah. or, the, or the keyword search. And so what we did was we went out, we were very lucky. Um, we actually found a former Marine veteran um, who had retired, just recently retired as the executive vice president of global HR for McDonald's Corporation. And so we brought him into the fold and said, all right, help us solve this problem. How do we go in to these companies, identify what our needs are, create these matches, but more importantly, break down these barriers. And so that's probably, if I had to say, you know, how is it that you were, you know, we were, we've been successful to, to, uh, to date on, you know, breaking down some of those barriers with our corporate partners. It's because we brought, we actually had somebody who could speak the HR language, go in and say, okay, you let us come in and show you what the value is. That's the first hurdle. That's, that's the first. Yeah. That's the first breach right there. You have to make, and you know, you've got to absolutely successfully navigate that before you can even get your resume in front of a, of somebody that can make a decision. Yeah, it's one absolutely. of the things that we're looking at within uh, mentors to do the same thing. I think there's a real need there. Not, I mean, you're doing a great job for the soft community and stuff, but I think there's also another, you know, the the conventional army or uh, other. Uh, military uh, branches and same thing where um, you know there may be people that uh, are not necessarily given that opportunity because they haven't got past that gatekeeper they haven't um, been able to find that niche of those people that you're dealing with within those organizations that have been able to kind of you know open their eyes and their ears to the capabilities that these people are bringing to the table and again not everybody meets that skill set or meets that qualification that we're describing but there are individuals you know top t- uh, 10 percenters top 20 percenters or something that could fall within that that space that are being maybe perhaps overlooked and um, you've certainly got a cookie cutter or a uh, maybe not cookie cutter but you've got a a a platform in a way that you've been doing things that could be cookie cuttered and and somebody could uh, evaluate and possibly use in other environments um, because it sounds like you've been very successful at what you're doing here well we would, well, Robert we, would we would definitely hope that it, it could be replicated by you know the veteran population as a whole um, because you know, it goes back to the point where, you know, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, you know, Jamie Dimon um, or any one of these huge CEOs makes these unbelievable commitments to hire veterans, right? I want to hire 100,000 veterans in the next three to five years. I firmly believe that they stand behind that. The problem is none of those organizations take the effort or the time to then, it's, it's like we used to, we learned on active duty. It, you gotta, you've got to train at the lowest level. Yeah, so if, yeah, they're not, yeah. if they're not actually taking that same lesson and that same initiative and training the entry-level person, the 24-year-old keyword search person who's running the resume bank yeah. for their organization, yeah. then, then you're, never, you're never actually going to be able to meet that 100,000 veteran goal. Amen. It, it's just it's not, pass, it's not possible. So, so I would hope, and, and it's our hope at Your Grateful Nation, that more organizations – um, and there are a lot of great ones out there that handle, you know, the entire veteran community will will be able to be just like we have, um, whether it's replicate or come up with their own approaches to break down those barriers. Because I don't doubt that those initiatives are heartfelt and they mean them. But again, if you're not training that lowest level, that entry level person, 
then you're constantly going to have a roadblock, or actually it's not even a roadblock. It's it, it's going to be a stop point, and it's never going to get through. I think what you've got is an advantage, though, and, and is that you have somebody who's been able to straddle both sides of the fence. I think that's, that's a very Im- important aspect here that we shouldn't overlook because you can't just bring anybody that came off active duty and say, hey, listen, I need you to go talk to corporate America. Corporate America is not necessarily going to um, respect or uh, bring, you know, bring them into the fold and say, "Sure, I understand everything you're saying," because you've got to be no, able, to, yeah, you've got to be able to understand the private sector per, uh, perspective yeah. of the military. You've got to be able to see both sides of it and marry the two together. And I think by bringing that individual you mentioned, that was a key uh, piece of it. And that's like. You know, for those of us within, you know, mentors, that's what we've been talking about as well, is that we we believe there's a clear opportunity to do what you've been describing and be able to replicate that kind of model throughout the rest of the industry to make them very aware of what the possibilities are. But we have the skill set or that we've been on both sides of the fence to be able to have that communication and they'll probably be more apt to listen to us because we have done that. Um, and, and or if you're an organization that's supporting that way, then you have to be able to do that. What I find is that a lot of the transition assistance programs um, are not really, you know, they're not they're not really modeled to do what you're describing. They're, they're not. They're right. not structured for that. Yeah. And it's 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 imperative. I and mean, we've hit that we've hit that topic so many times, Robert, in the past. You know, and bridging the gap. It's up to the individual. You know, in in. You know, organizations like yours, YGN, organizations like Mentors for Military, uh, Next Ridge Line. I mean, it, all these organizations are great, but ultimately, it's up to the individual to to learn how to market his skills effectively, learn how to translate that lexicon into the business sector, and bridge that gap. That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate goal. There. That's something he has to achieve, and at some point, that's what equals a successful transition. I think everything you're doing is not specific to uh, soft. Uh, soldiers. I mean, it, everything that you're describing is just as, if not more, important to a regular serviceman Absolutely. Uh, or soldier. So, um, I mean, well, I'm, I'm not always an advocate for the middleman, but I think yeah. that you know we, we've talked every show previously about the inability of soft guys or military people in general, uh, soft guys specifically. You know, with my own background, speaking yeah. from the heart, that we don't advertise our own skills the best way imaginable. I mean, Mike said the same thing, right? When he got out, his resume looked a lot like his NCOER. So we don't always advertise our, our, yeah. our skills to the best way, way possible. But having a guy like, or having an organization like Your Grateful Nation and Robert Clapper being that middleman and interjecting themselves and marketing you for you, and hence, you know, the title of today's show, right? Like marketing your skills and saying, Hey, this guy might be a staff sergeant, might be an E7, might be a, a young CW2, but he's an upper level manager at your organization and fighting for that placement. That that's pretty cool. I mean, no matter no matter what takeaway, because oftentimes we're our own worst enemies in self promotion and marketing. Not only Unless that, Scott, you're but the and if you're a seal, that, you're there you go. <laughs> now, you're, now, see, now you're touching on something I was getting ready to hit. Is not only that, but uh, it, it, you know they got to they got to be able to get past that level of expectation as well. Um, you know, it's something that that hurts us, especially within soft uh, across the board. You you, you exit uh, with a level of expectation that's maybe not realistic, and and I, I'm glad to hear that that's part of the assessment is is determining hey. You know, uh, not only are we are we assessing the soldier, but we're also assessing the companies to marry you up and, and to make that bond, um, to make it successful in the long term. Uh, Rob uh, Clapper, do, uh, 
do you guys have a, a process to which you follow up uh, at the end uh, or, you know, I don't know, a year, two years, three years into it to see uh, how that how that initial marrying went? Um, is there a historical yes, uh, way of tracking? A absolutely. Um, I mean, we're still fairly uh, back to Robert's long question a minute ago. Yeah. We're only about two years old. Um, okay. We're, okay. we're a little over 24 months old. So in yeah. terms of institutional data, it, we, you know, it's just not there. Um, yeah. But but we what we created what's called our alumni network, um, and our alumni network gotcha. ranges from a pay it forward to meaning, uh, which is really cool because like, we placed a guy in Blackstone Group in New York, uh, former uh -huh. fifth group, uh, former fifth group guy. Well, ironically, the same time he got offered a full time offer two weeks ago was the same time their veterans initiative guy left the company. So yep. by the oh by the way, the new veterans initiative guy. Is also the guy we placed in Blackwater. There you and, go. And, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, in Black, not Blackwater, Blackstone. I'm sorry, yeah. Blackstone Group. And um, and so um, so our idea is to not only create, um, use them as long term mentors, but mm -hmm. uh, to the, to the point of today's show, but also um, as a way to uh, create those long lasting relationships with those corporate partners that have clearly you know created success. Um, yeah. And so, so, so yes, we have the system in place to ultimately track it. Um, just Good. we're we're still so new that um, we're still celebrating the success. Yeah, you got to you got to build the data. Yeah, you got to yeah. build the data. These so, guys so, getting so where we're at. Yes. Sorry, apologies. Another question from the chat room from Ryan. How do you go about evaluating if a transitioning SF or, or soldier or SEAL or MARSOC, CSO, whatever that title may be, how do you go about evaluating if they've undervalued their skills? Do you have mechanisms or programs in place to say you're, you're asking for X, but you really should be going for, for Y and Z? Or, or how, does that, how does that work with your Grateful Nation? Absolutely. Um, so uh, during step one in phase or during phase one, step one is we assess those those you know we talked about the factors, uh, the driving factors. We talk about uh, the economic factors. Step two will be a uh, of phase one is more about interests, um, and step three is then the skills. We create a candidate profile based upon that. For at that point, I can uh, normally and it's me directly. There they're not there's no there isn't a third party. There's not a program manager. It's 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 me personally. I can normally work with somebody and really identify uh, depending on where they want to be in the country, you know, geographically, uh, what they think they want to do just initially, and really yeah. kind of begin to work with them on what I think their uh, their price point, their compensation level, you know, should be. And normally the way I present it is, um, okay, so based upon where you are on active duty, what you are making at your highest point, where you want to live. Um, you know, if you're in the South, it's one part. If you're in the Northeast, it's a different cost of living factor. Um, here's what I would say. I would say, you know, before we even get started, your kind of thought process should be a, a position around one hundred and ten or $115,000 a year. Then let's go see what we can make happen. And so um, it's a lot of different factors, and it's, a, and it's using a lot of industry experts far smarter than I am. Um, it's members of my board, which are, uh, you know, very engaged um, that either run companies, have run companies or or have unbelievable uh, private sector experience. It's using, um, you know, third party uh, executive coaches 
who work with uh, companies around the world and specifically around the U.S. to help us gauge those. And so part of that is building the candidate profile. So to, uh, to the, the, uh, the writer in the chat room, um, I think Ryan is what you said. Was it Ryan? Yeah. Um, to Ryan's point, um, you know, it really varies on the skill sets that you bring. You know, what, it, it doesn't matter what service you came from, whether you're a MARSOC, AFSOC, you know, uh, Army guy, Navy guy, whatever. Um, it really depends on, you know, what your, you know, your time in service, the strengths you bring, your education level. Uh, we factor all of that in and we, we come out with a start point. And, uh, and it really very, it's very much a start point. Some of our guys have walked in. I'll give you an example. We had a guy from the 160th uh, that we worked with, and um, I told him his start point based upon where he wanted to, he wanted to be on the West Coast, wanted to be in California. Started, I told him his start point was 125. He actually went in for much higher than that uh, because of the company we were able to position him for. So I actually undercut him a little bit with his expectation. But it was more about just beginning that first step of that assessment and really identifying um, all of those factors to create a manageable expectation. I, did that answer – you think that answered yeah. Ryan's question? Okay. I do. That, that, that yeah. hit, the, hit the nail on the head. Um, uh, Scott, you had another one too, buddy. I think you put it in, in our internal chat. But uh, I'll go ahead and bring it up, Rob. Uh, can you address bridging the gap between military schools and civilian schools? So how do, how do you do that? You know, like how do you – how do you take a, a halo or a dive supervisor, you know, combat diver or uh, uh, you know, SUT expert or whatever the whatever the specialty school is, and transition that into a a something that's recognizable in the within the business sector? Well, it, it really so um, as we get into prepare, um, what we look at is um, so we've assessed those information, and one of the things we're working on, it's not there yet. But I will tell you, if you're interested, um, a great widget is yep. Boeing is Boeing's career section. They actually have a widget built where if you go in and you plug in your skill level, your rank, your background, and the additional stuff, they actually spit out, uh, no lie, a complete skill translator. Um, oh, well. it, it's a great start point. Don't use yeah, it yeah. as your... Don't use sure, it as sure. your end all be all. That's not the end. Yeah, that's not the no, end all. But it, but it's an amazing. It's it, and I'm trying to figure out a way that we could actually create our, something specific for YGN um, that's along those lines. Because obviously it's out there; it can be created. Um, yeah. But in uh, what we try and do is, um, you know, I try and spend a little bit of time. Our mentors spend a little bit of time. But I got to be honest: the person that does the best job for us is the certified resume writers that we work with. Um, we have uh, we have five certi certified resume writers from around the country that every one of our guys works with, and they're specific and they're tailor made to working with specifically the military population. Mm -hmm. But three of those five have specific experience working with special operations uh, folks, and that makes all the difference because it starts to break down you know the 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 key terms that can be used from the private sector, you know. Whether you are a squad leader, team leader, you know, whatever, you've got a manage you've got management principles, you've got yeah. management experience. So how is it that you take that and you can make it in a delivery in a deliverable manner that doesn't that doesn't go against our you know the quiet professional or silent professional. Um, but yet you know but 
be is able to sell you uh, initially on paper and then ultimately in person. And so well, I, I would Randy. Sorry, I, Robert. I, I think Randy no, I was, has a. I, I was just, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that's really who's been our greatest asset. Gotcha, Go ahead, Scott. Gotcha. Go ahead, Scott. No, sorry, man. I, I think Randy had a great point as well of knowing which skills to attempt to even market, right? Like he's, he had a great point in the chat room saying that airborne school is not a qualifier for an IT job. So when you highlight airborne school exactly. as the top of your resume, you know, just kind of knowing your audience and knowing what skills you are marketing and because the topic of today's show is indeed marketing your skills, and Robert Gowan calls me the producer, I'll try and segue into the marketing your skills correctly, right, and let Gowan take it over from there. No, you know, I mean, that's a great segue. Thank you, uh, Scott. So, I mean, you know, part of the things that uh, – and, and Rob's going to infuse as we go through this a lot of the stuff that YGN does uh, because when we started talking about the core competencies of what uh, YGN uh, does in terms of helping those who are transitioning out, it seemed to mirror a lot of the same things that we're going to be discussing as the main bullet points within marketing your skills. And the first thing, of course, is understanding your capabilities. you got to be very self-aware. And we talk about this, and I know we harp on it on multiple uh, podcasts, but it's really starting with you and understanding, um, you know, your strengths and weaknesses, and you got to be honest with yourself. Well, no, I, it, uh, to the, the betterment of the group, I would I would completely agree with, uh, you know, my my point to somebody who says airborne school was, well, to be honest, there's a bullet point on a resume, you know, you yeah. you, fig- you figured out how to do aerial delivery, and there may <laughs> be an I and there may be an IT approach depending on. You know what technology you use to deliver, you know, goods and services to a, from point A to point B. So again, it goes back to just really understanding the marketability, and and it really, let's be honest, it goes back to Scott's original point probably 30 minutes ago, which is uh, the marketability, specifically for the community I support, is getting them first to understand they got to market themselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the greatest obstacle that almost every one of our guys. Uh, face and I wouldn't even say almost uh, every one of our guys faces um, and it does and, and it's intrinsic to all of the military as a whole because what are we taught at the earliest level doesn't matter what rank what what's the earliest level it's a we I was only successful because we were successful the all of my team all of my guys they did all the hard work we were successful so ultimately we're, you know now all of a sudden you're transitioning in the private sector and someone goes well tell me why I should hire you well, no, I don't want to hear about how great you know your team was and all the great things you did. Tell me why I should hire you. And and really, that is that in itself is such a cultural transition that um, I spend a, a lot more time on that part of our process is helping guys understand it's okay. You're not going against any value system. You're not going against you know any any silent oath or loud oath, whatever it was you signed up for. You're you're not breaking that to be able to talk about your own experiences and, and why you're, uh, and more importantly, why you should join that, that particular team, uh, whatever company it is. So it really is that to me, that's the first step. I think we talked about this too, though, in a couple other shows that it, um, is also just as important that if a, some of your accomplishments are as a team, then you need to rep own up and, you know, show that you were a team player, that this is what the team accomplished together. This was your part of it. And, and those types of things, because it is important. You don't want to just, you know, if a lot of your stuff is team, you don't want to just, um, 
have a resume that's only a couple bullets that you feel like you want to own. You know what I mean? Own own a lot of that. Bring it in. Oh, show how it adds of. the value. Yeah. You know. You have to own all of it. You have to be able to articulate every bit of it. Yes. Not only that, but right. I mean, I, I talked about it last week, and we we're talking about selection and everything else. But you know, I, I'll go again and, and quote Mike Weinberg because I think he's he's a genius and. I hope he's listening, or at least to one of these future episodes. But when he talks about you know selling problems and whatever, he talks about you know the three-step three process, which is identify the problem that you're trying to solve, talk about your offerings to solve that problem, and then discuss any different differentiators which make you better, b- bigger, better, or different from those also in the market with you. So I think that for a lot of military veterans, you know, soft or no. That, that last point, those differentiators are really where you show your uniqueness, right? And that's a point to where you can say, yes, I am airborne qualified, and yes, I love jumping out of functioning you know, airplanes, and it, and it makes me you know, very happy. But it shows that potential hi- hiring company that you're not the norm. You're not the, the typical candidate, and that highlights what you're doing. But you, know, you, you can't miss the first two steps of problem solving and offerings to solve those problems and go straight and only focus on the differentiators. And that uniqueness doesn't matter at that point. Well, and to your point about marketability, oh. well, and, and you're... <laughs> Your I had to get that in there. I had to get a boom in there. Hey, hey. <laughs> your point about marketability, you manage the process. I mean... Okay, so I'll, so we're we're on the we're kind of sticking with the the airborne uh, piece. Well, if you're a jump master, you manage the process. You manage exactly. the process of of you know, in a lot of cases, several hundred. Um, you know, uh, and so it's a matter of how do you position that. I mean, there's still an innate and an unbelievable skill set with that and, came with that. And that's the, not even touching on you're not even beginning to touch on the level of responsibility, the level of additional responsibility that needs to be articulated in, in marketing your skills. So it, it really is. I mean for every you know for every school, for every every part of uh, the experiences we all had and and certainly all of our guys have, I mean it, it boils basically down to everything can be transferred. Every skill can be transferred. It's a matter of understanding what today or what yesterday's magic buzzwords are, keywords are, how best to describe that. But we all manage processes. I mean, nobody can, I mean, the military is one giant process. It doesn't matter what yes. branch you came from, it's one giant process. So, it, and you may not have been at the top level managing the top process, but at some point you were managing a process, a training process, a deployment process, a combat process. I mean, so how do you take those same experiences in, in managing processes and and the skill sets that came with managing those processes and put them to make yourself sellable. A simple phrase that we all know, anybody in the military knows, right, is specified and implied tasks, right? I mean, so jumping out of an airplane is a specified task. The implied task, if you're the jump master or in some position of power within that, that activity or that, that mission set is all the you know secondary and tertiary responsibilities that came along with jumping out of an airplane, right? So it's it's managing people, managing the safety regulations, understanding and protocols, the yeah. protocols and processes and whatever else, right? Yeah. So when we say to another fellow, you know, jumper, feet knees together, you know, Roger that airborne or whatever, right? Then it's all you know tongue in cheek. But when we say I manage an airborne operation to a civilian. You can't just leave it at that blank statement. You have to learn to not only blanket the the topic, but translate that. And Mike's laughing at me, so I'm trying to no, talk no, Scott, just, You know, a couple shows ago we talked about you know how being adaptable was kind of the most important thing that we 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 offer to guys as we come out. 
But at the same time, I was talking procedure, procedure, procedure. There are some things that we do that we do not deviate from. We're not adaptable yes. out of. We, we do the same thing every time because people's lives depend on it. And maybe there's Which an application. Which is why we're successful, yes. Yeah, maybe there's an application for that in, in the private sector as well where they, they, they really need something to be dependable and on time every time. And, and you know, the, just running a pre-jump, if you think about it, you know, maybe not the way we did in soft, but maybe the way we did it in the 82nd or whatever. It was a lot different. And it was, careful that one. It was a lot more structured and it started nine hours out. And, you know, it started with, you know, the, the initial manifest call and it just went over and over and over. But the procedure we went through um, is something that should be easy to talk about. And I think that goes back into what we're, we're talking about tonight. You know, marketing to me is messaging, you know, and, and something that all soft guys know inherently whenever we go into any, and really it's not just a soft thing. It's, it's the army in general. When we go into any theater, we have psyop planners that do messaging for us. They, they, they develop themes and, and they develop the ideas that we want the local populace to understand about what we are going to do in that nation. And, and I think that this whole idea of marketing your skills is really, you know, that, that PSYOP message, that, that messaging that we want to do. It's just hard for well, us Mike. to get outside of our culture and, and, and say it about ourselves. I, but I, I think we've got it. I mean, we've got it in our training. We've just got to apply it to ourselves as we so, enter the marketplace. So, Mike, i gotta, I got to ask the question, though. Why – and I agree 100% with everything you're saying, and I'll even follow that up with a bam – well, Scott boom. got the boom, you got the bam, but my, my question being, you know, why do we struggle so much with it? Why is it such, it's like the biggest hurdle for yeah. guys transitioning. I don't care if you're soft, I don't care if you're a, a, a PFC coming out of, out of, out of a support battalion uh, or a logistics company, it doesn't matter. Why is that the biggest hurdle? It I think it's cultural, Rudy. Big. I mean, you, you know, yeah. I mean, you already know the answer, man. We talk, yeah. we talk about it all the time. Scott mentioned it, you know, a little yeah. bit ago that, that we're not the... We're not the branch that's writing books about our exploits. We're not. Yeah. Um, we really could. We could make a lot of money for ourselves as, a, as, a, as an organization uh, and just sell in the regiment if we told sure. the stories of the regiment. Look at we, – we, after the show last week, you showed me Roger Donilon's book, Scott. I mean yeah. it's, that's a great story, and it sells a good story for the regiment. We don't have many guys doing that for Afghanistan and Iraq, and I think that's because in our culture as quiet professionals – we just keep it all in house, man. What happens inside the team room stays inside the team room, and we've got to break outside of that culture and and start talking about the things that we do really well. And and it, you know it doesn't have to be you know on a grandiose scale and movies and everything, but it, it can be on your resume. I mean, there's a there's a way we've been talking about it tonight, Robert, Rob, you've both been talking about how to apply those those bullets uh, for both individual and collective accomplishments into you know, selling yourself in an interview and on a resume. Well, you know, when you're talking back about uh, the process and everything else, too, you're talking about in the private sector quality. How do you measure quality? How do you identify quality? Who who determines what quality is? I mean, and so when you when you do that in, in, you know, in the military, it's safety. It's a process. It's a procedure in the private sector. It's quality. It's a quality output. It's quality in the process. It's making sure the protocols and the procedures are done so that every M&M has a perfect uh, M uh, stamped on it or, you you know, every one of them's coded properly and uh, those types of things. And I know it sounds funny, but even in my Six Sigma class, one of the things we used to do is, 
you know, try to take bags of M&Ms and tell people, how do you define quality? Well, everybody defines it differently, but it's being able to understand um, that in the private sector and how you equate what you did in the military to that and defining quality uh, because you did it a lot. You had to make sure that you, you know, you're talking about the airborne operations. You had to make sure that everybody shoots is fast enough. You had to make sure they're pulled tight. You had to make sure that they, you know, their, their static line is attached. You had to make sure everybody is ready and on point and ready to do what they've got to do. It's articulating all of what we just talked about uh, into it. Um, but unless you're jumping with the ties, if what? you're jumping with the ties, none of that applies. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's game on. Yeah. <laughs> it's every man for themselves. It's sporty too, man. So what? One I'm of sorry, the Robert, no, that's all right. Well, one of the things we uh, we talked about that you, uh, YG and uh, Rob was saying earlier that they do as well is is hit on the passion and purpose, and you know you got to consider your interest. Uh, your aptitudes, your hobbies, what are the things that you may be active in and volu- uh, in volunteering, uh, any types of you know special talents that you bring to the table. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, whether you're a combat diver, whether you're a halo and those types of things, but it could be you're a combat medic or, you know, certified or you're, you know, this, that and the other, because, um, you, you know, you may have been a truck driver, but you went through the, the course to be certified to do that. Well, that may be an added benefit for the skill set that you're looking for in the private sector and you're wanting to move into. So you need to take all that information in and you got to be able to speak it and articulate it and such so that somebody can sit down with a piece of paper and put that into language that someone else would understand. Um, and, and you've got to think about budgets that you manage. You got to think about, uh, you know, time delivery, uh, time sensitive information that you had to manage. You, ha- you have to think about all those types of things and convey that in a way that people can put it in a qualitative and quantitative manner on a, on a resume. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, I think the, and that's where our processes that currently exist when leaving the military fail miserably. Um, I, and I am not, and that's not a, yeah, I know that's a broad stroke, and I apologize if it offends anyone. But the current no, process, the current processes that are in place, do not teach you. Uh, I mean, I, back in 2006, I sat in front of a computer that told me I was going to be a police officer, a bus driver, <laughs> right? Um, right. Or I don't I got even. Parking I, lot attendant, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Did you so, really? That brings yeah. up a question, man. You know, when I when I was retiring, I retired in in July, and about a, two years ago, I was looking at this and putting my my paperwork in. Um, man, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was that my passion would be. And, and I, you know, I, it took me a lot of time and a lot of tools that I went through. And you mentioned that earlier. One of the first things that you do with your, your guys is, is you try to develop and understand what those desires, drives, and passions are. So what tools do you use or what, what could you recommend that somebody listening to the podcast would, would go out there and use to try to help them get over that initial hump? So what we we actually signed on and use a uh, so we use a third party a leadership team um, that are executive coaches and they actually administer um, it's a very simple it's not like SFAS it's a very simple assessment um, but it's a uh, it's a twenty minute online communications assessment and what it is and it's better known to the the executive coaching world and the life coaching world as the DISC process it's not like the Myers Briggs and the eighteen thousand you know personality test they administered yeah. to us on active duty. This takes about 20 minutes. It tells you your communication style. But, uh, so it's great to share with a spouse or you want to hide it from your spouse. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> more uh, but, but more important, but to that, um, it also identifies where you're predisposed to be passionate and where you are predisposed not to be passionate about. So if you're a backroom operation guy, it's, it tells me immediately that you should not be in a business development or sales role. Right. Because that's or not your podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the idea is to move, uh, is to then position them. Um, then our coaches actually spend two hours with every single candidate, walking them through those results, talking them through so that it's not, um, so that it's not confrontational or, or it's nothing surprising. In fact, most of it is not surprising. But it, but then those coaches spend time reinforcing the things that I've talked about. Uh, you know, the areas and the industry sectors that they would be naturally successful in, um, and find the same level of success that they found on active duty. That also meets with the cultural and the values proposition that they're 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 also now naturally uh, attracted to, and so. Um, that's really where our phase one, when we say assessment, there's a great long conversation with me. Normally, if, we, if I can in person, I'll fly around the country and meet with folks in person. Um, but if that can't happen, we'll do it over the phone. But then the next step is that assessment tool. That assessment tool is critical for two reasons. One is because it helps me then create that personalized roadmap like we talked about. But second, guess what else goes with the resume when I'm trying to work with a potential employer. Now I've got an entire communication 360 overview of this candidate that says very clearly what their streaks, what their weaknesses are, um, and where they would be the most successful. And it, it delineates very quickly the difference between the standard MBA guy coming out of grad school and the guy that I'm trying to position or that YGN is trying to position. And so, um, you know, that's where I think we're able to find a, a great level of success. So, so you I, utilize this uh, this approach not just in terms of trying to figure out the passion and purpose, but it sounds like you go into trying to identify the industry, the career, um, you know, some of the things that they may like or dislike from past experiences, uh, those types of things that can help them really hone in to um, a specific job, career industry and then you match that with employer groups is what it sounds like correct now the assessment tool that we use does not tell me that they should go into petroleum and gas versus technology but what it does tell me is they would do well in a startup or even a mid-level company versus okay. uh versus a large fortune 500 company that is very kind of rigid standard you know uh not well, i think not, that... not punch a time card but um, it, it shows me really where they um, they would naturally gravitate towards. I, I mean, granted, we all assume that the, that the special operations community they gravitate towards an entrepreneurial spirit, um, you know, a team, you know, a very uh, a dynamic team environment. But it does more than that because it actually shows you know kind of the the roles that they would. Once we understand the roles, well, then it's a matter of finding industry sectors that could potentially meet those roles. I'm sorry, Scott, you were going to say? 
No, I was going to say I love DISC because I think that one of the greatest strengths of the DISC personality profiling is that it highlights your public and private personality and communication styles, meaning that if you go to, like like you said, perfect example, a startup versus a suit and tie, you know, buttoned up, already established Fortune 50 investment banking company, um, you, you, you have a greater ratio of success because you're putting round pegs in round holes and you're identifying, you know, who they are and capitalizing on their strengths versus just kind of, you know, like I, I guess I say a lot in this show, throwing spaghetti on a wall and seeing what sticks, right? So it, it's targeted targeting versus just, you know, shooting around sound range for no reason. Yeah. So if you have somebody that's, you know, not qualified to go to the YGN route, um, you know, not soft or anything like that, then, you know, certainly seek out executive coaches, uh, people that can sit down with you and help you do a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. They may not have the skill set of matching you with industry or matching you with uh, good jobs or necessarily, but a lot of them do. A lot of them use different tools that they can kind of say, you know, you need to kind of hone your interest into these specific areas based on what it is that you've identified or we've identified through this exam. Um, we're able to help you move forward in looking at these types of things. Um, yeah, a good place to do that, Robert, is right here at Mentors. Yeah. You know, we- uh, I mean, hell, we've had uh, a lot of different, uh, uh, a lot of different supporters coming on board. Whether whether they've been a live guest on the podcast or or we, you know, have they're they're involved in our tremendous network right now. Um, you know, reach out through mentors. Uh, we'll get you tied in and linked up. Uh, we've linked uh, we've linked people up with, with some very influential people on the hill. I mean, um, yeah, make it happen. You know, um, hey, uh, Robert Clapper, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a, a hard question out there, and this isn't just to you, but but for anybody in the panel here in the podcast. So we've talked about we've talked about marketing skills. We've talked about a lot of positive aspects of this, and and, and we 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 talked about some really dynamic and, and awesome things. But let's let's take it back a bit. Let's take it let's take it to. Uh, someone that that has been assessed and and maybe they don't maybe they have a physical uh, disability based off of their service maybe they're they're a double amputee or uh, suffering from PTSD um, you know over the last 12 years 15 years we're, we're seeing a lot of this and unfortunately this is a reality um, how do we take into account limitations as well as things their 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 strengths uh and skills how do we how do we account for the limitations as well well i i think part of that is the personal exploration for for our process a lot of that is personal exploration um we have um attempted to partner with several organizations um on a on a by case basis sure um that um if those resources are needed or or Really, if we need to connect with um, not other nonprofits that are doing great work in that space, uh, we make sure that we we also connect that. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, that's part of the personal exploration. We have had um, individuals actually deselect themselves from our process. Um, it yeah. was it, it doesn't mean we left them. Um, sure, you know, sure. I, I still follow up with them uh, just to make sure you know life is okay, manageable. Um, yeah, but they yeah. they were very clear that um, they weren't prepared for this, um, that they're not really prepared for the transition. That the idea of going into corporate America or putting a coat and tie on is doesn't appeal. But they don't really know what they want to do. But they certainly don't have the um, the coping mechanisms mm-hmm. uh, yet to be able to handle that. And so we try and point them in in any one of the. The you know uh, I would say there's any number of great organizations out there. There are a couple 
specifically that you know we may use. Um, but nonetheless, uh, try and point them in that right direction because it is part of the personal exploration piece. Uh, yeah, whether, you're right. You're spot on. When is, and, as a, and for veterans as a whole, um, you know, it's part of that personal exploration. That personal exploration. You know, Robert, you were talking about the one part we use, and, and Scott was about the profile. You know what has been the greatest asset we've used, and it's for veterans as a whole, whether they go find an executive coach or they go find a, a life coach or whatever it is. It's creating informational interviews. It's understanding that you need to learn what you have never experienced before. And it's going out and actually you know, setting up conversations with guys in industries you think you want to be in. And, and I fly guys around the country. I mean, that's part of our program. Is I literally fly guys to informational interviews with no intention of them getting the job, but so that they can quickly learn that being a day trader isn't all it's cut out to be. And that there's a reason that the average age is 26, not 33. And so, <laughs> you know, when you want to sit at a trading desk, you need to go see what that really looks like. Yeah. And you need to ask these guys, is this really something you want to do? And more importantly, uh, to your point and, and to the point we were just on, then that also shows, okay, you know, I, I've got some – so there are things that I can manage right here and now. Um, yeah. And there are probably things that I will have to work on. This particular environment is not copacetic to where I am at, where I am today. Might be three, four, five years from now, but it's not where I am today. And yeah. so those, quote, informational interviews can also be part of that personal exploration. What you're, what you're almost describing is, uh, in some worlds, are kind of called um, shadowing. You get an opportunity to shadow. You get an opportunity to, to go follow people that are doing what you think you want to do, and then you may spend six hours with them, four hours with them, or whatever, and realize, wow, that's just not really where my passion's at. Um, and, and that goes even beyond the mentoring. That goes beyond the interview process. That goes into really getting the reality there of of living in their shoes for a moment. Um, I think that's fantastic if you guys are doing that. I, I think if we could create that... Um, alumni association that, association that you're talking about and that database that you can then reach out to and go, hey, you know, uh, Rudy, I've, I've got a gentleman here that wants to, you know, basically see what you guys are all about. He's even willing to get there um, to to understand it. If your organization is up for it and if you're up for it, let him spend a half a day with you and uh, kind sure, of shadow sure. that to see if that's something that'd be fantastic if we could ever it's put something like a mini, like, it's almost like a mini in internship yeah that i mean or right seat ride you know it, it, it'll give them only a snapshot uh, and it yeah. probably only gives them that rob just based on your experience but i think there's probably a sense of awareness that happens right then it sounds as well where you know but maybe this isn't cut out for me you know well there's a sense of awareness and there's also let's be honest this prospect development for the company I mean, they oh, got, yeah, yeah. They have yeah. somebody who just walked through the door. They don't. They don't have to worry about the HR nightmares and the interview process. They've got somebody they're going to spend the next couple hours with, or two or three days with. And oh, by the way, they're going to show the best part of their company. They're not showing the, you know, hey, here's the mailroom. Right. They're, they're showing why this company is is a win-win, and and it allows for a much more informative. So 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 really, what's the end? What's the end state? What's the measurable? For that, for that particular process, it's very simple. The more you can expose um, the individual to those opportunities that they've never seen before, the better chance you have of not only them being successful in it, but then staying. Uh, retain, retention, know, absolutely. In, 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 a, in yeah. a retention piece. Yeah. Because now, now it's, not a, a, it's not a, you know, whoa, I didn't know what I was signing up for. Or, 
um, wow, this isn't really a good fit. I thought it was going to be X and it's Y, and I got to move on. So, do you guys follow then? Uh, and I know we're getting a little bit off based on the marketing and your skills, but you just in, you, it's very intriguing what you're talking about. Do you guys follow then from a retention standpoint the first 90 days, the first six months? So, in other words, where does that where does that relationship end with YGN once they've been employed? We'll follow them. We'll follow them until the point where we can't follow them. Okay, so, so I mean, so so whether it's the company quits you know, giving us feedback, which has not happened, or the individual quits giving us feedback, which hasn't happened. Um, we'll track it as long as we possibly can. Because, so our goal at the end of this is, from an advocacy piece, is to show on a in a very laser focus in a small way, it's a very small part of the bigger issue that we're all talking about today. But, but our way of, uh, of hopefully drawing attention and building uh, awareness is to be able to track it over a longer period of time to say, you know, here's here, you know, I want to be able to go to SOCOM and other units um, affiliated with SOCOM five, ten years from now and say, you know, here here's the success rate, here's data, here's raw data. Let's come up with greater let's come up with greater solutions to help more. Um, and so our way, we collect everything. Um, yeah. I may not know what to, to be honest, I may not know what to do with it, um, and hopefully I'll have experts be able to help me with that, but we collect everything. Um, one question that we're getting in the chat room, sorry, Robert Gowan, is from Rhiannon, do we recommend any self-awareness exercises, books, et cetera, to help us identify themes when we're building our personal brand and marketing our professional skills? Yeah, actually, so, uh, this so might be a great. Yeah, this might be a great thing, Mike, that you can talk about uh, because I know that you've really read, and I, I many many years ago read uh, the book, uh, but you shared one with me, and you even have kind of a, a story from uh, the interview that you had recently um, around the the common ground and uh, you know you, what is your parachute and and those types of things. So, you know, what so color is your parachute? We talked about Robert. Mm -hmm. One is the what color is your parachute. Um, by Robert Bowles, which is, you know, itself, it's, it's evolved several times, but it's got, you know, several exercises that you go through. And it, it kind of goes back to my question for Rob earlier, you know, how do you determine what it is you want to do? If you spend the time doing those kind of exercises, it, um, it, it'll, it'll kind of focus you in, in two or three areas that you can really start to start to research for, for a, a next career. Um, the other book that I, that we talked about, was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's one of my favorite books. I've read it several times. As you know, I read it early on in my career in SF as a as a guy wanting to be able to develop common ground, build rapport, which which is more about people than than anything else. There's no other skill that it applies across so many professions. And you know, if you if you read that book, it's full of examples. Every chapter as an example, and it's usually from a salesman. It's kind of written from a sales perspective, uh, but where the salesman goes in to develop a new contract, and he's got absolutely nothing with the uh, the individual that he's talking to. Maybe that guy's got you know a, a supplier that he, he really likes, he really enjoys. Um, it doesn't matter if I can come in and, and cut his costs because he's loyal to what he's had before. So how do you just spend the time? And and Carnegie's aspect was ask for five minutes. And in that five minutes, find something that you can both connect on. And he, it's, the book is full of stories, man. It's really easy to read. But, but, but a salesman will go in and he'll see something in the office, a picture of a guy and his family. Or, establish or, that common ground. 
well, there's a football sitting behind you right now, Robert. You know, you can, you can, you can, you, you, you start the conversation about something that that individual wants to talk about. And, and, you know, now that your five minutes turns into, he's talked about something he's passionate about for 45 minutes to an hour. And I'm not going to sell you today. Right. I mean, that's, I'm just going to develop this relationship. That rapport. That's, yeah. that's rapport. And, and it's, you know, relationships are what, what in SF anyway, we, we really pride ourselves on being able to do. Uh, so, but, but that's, that's the, that's the whole, the whole premise I think of going into it. Now my story, if, since I, I told you to, to, to ask me about it, I didn't know it was going to be on the air. <laughs> well, you don't have <laughs> to be. <laughs> you know, I did. I did my master's oh, interview oh, a couple weeks ago Friday. And I walked in and I, I already knew the program manager from the school. And, and she knew that I'd spent, you know, last year in Lebanon or a year and a half ago so in Lebanon. So she was just asking me about things from Lebanon. And, and I was talking about the places I'd gone, some of the historic sites I'd seen. You know, it's, you know, there are Byzantine ruins, and, and Alexander would come through there and put a siege down in Tyre. And, but I, and I was able to visit all of those places, talk about the food. Um, and somebody standing outside heard me. She walks in, and she goes, excuse me, I've never, heard, I've never talked to anybody who, who's been to Lebanon before. And my mom and dad were born and grew up in Beirut. So I just, I, oh, that's great. Let's, let's talk about stuff in Lebanon. You tell me about your family where they're from, and we kind of shared this moment for about 10 minutes before the interview, and it turned out that she was one of the two people that were really on my interview staff for, for my master's program. And, and you know, in that, in that 10 minutes, um, we developed some, some common ground, and, and I built rapport with her, that over the next hour of the interview really played back in my favor. Right. Uh, not intentionally, I didn't know she was one of the ones that were gonna interview me, but, but those things that we'd shared in the first 10 minutes kept coming up every few minutes after that. And it, re it really reminded me of the Carnegie book, and I didn't try to do it. Um, it was just an opportunity that was provided to me, and I kind of I went along with it. And, and I think that there's so many lessons in that. If you just put yourself aside for a minute, don't try to get the sale, but just build rapport with the other person on the other side of the table, um, and then maybe the next cool. time you come back and, and, and you, you know, you – you go a little bit further, but that, that book is a great one that really sells the story of developing common ground. And I'll translate that to resumes, right? I mean, just as in common ground and rapport, sincerity shows as does insincerity on a resume, an inflation of skills. You know, if you're 23 years old and you're claiming, you know, I, I just read that article in the New York Times, you know, The Age of the Commando by Matt Gallagher, and, and all you guys are going to wince that I'm, I'm bringing it back up, right? But as a 25-year-old captain cavalry officer in the military, he's claiming like four years in combat in Iraq and this and that and all this other stuff, right? And insincerity shows and just a, a being outside of your, your arena and your depth of character shows as well. So being true to yourself and being self-aware and being comfortable to have those conversations in the personal realm, Mike, and, and putting your true strengths and weaknesses on your resume, everybody else, that goes a long way to actually landing you the job because you're not trying to inflate yourself to something that you're genuine. You're well, being genuine, and yeah, that's absolutely key. Absolutely. You're being human. You're being personal. And I think if you can lend a personal touch to whatever it is that you're doing in communication, uh, you're going to be successful. Just because if you think about, you know, when we're talking about marketing your skills, you know, you bring up, brought up sales, but we're constantly selling ourselves. That's really what it is. 
And, and so, you know, when you think about that element of it and that you're constantly selling, nine times out of ten, you ask people why it is that they bought the product. It wasn't necessarily because the product's the greatest. It's because the person sold them on the idea that it was the best thing. Um, and sometimes we're very attuned to that and we might be picking up on those vibes and other times we uh, may not be uh, picking up on it as much and we just like the individual. But, um, it, you know, also... Uh, you know, if you're someone that's going in there and you don't want to be sold, then obviously that's not going to be helpful. But just know that when you're going to these these opportunities, whether it's you're presenting your best foot forward in terms of a resume or you go into the interview process, you're marketing yourself. It's all about your personal brand and making sure that you know, again, who you are, what you're bringing to the table, what interests you, what it is that you think you want to convey uh, as, as your personal brand and market yourself that way. Sell yourself um, to your family, to your friends, to those who know you best. And we talked about this in the last podcast, but it's really, you know, get that feedback before you go on those interviews and stuff so they can be honest with you, in some cases, brutally honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then one of the other things I think that's really important uh, is um, letting your network kind of know about what you're planning on doing. It, I think it's uh, it, it, take the time to say, hey, listen, I, I'm wanting to market market myself this way. Uh, if you know them very well, they'll give you the honest feedback. And especially if they're your mentor, they'll probably give you some suggestions and everything. But by letting them know uh, what your plans are, what industry, uh, organizations, and those types of things, uh, even if it's um, letting the organizations and the people within that are part of your network uh, know what you're seeking out for uh, seeking. So if it's an alumni association of a university, if it's a BFW type of thing that you're associated with, if it's a, you know, wherever it is that you happen to be aligned with, start letting some of your network know that you're uh, you're going to be looking for a new career change. You're going to be looking for, um, you know, your transition out of the military. Whatever you do, don't ever ask for a job. But you know, just let them know that these are some of the things that you're considering. And if they hear of something that might be available or fit your skill set, then, you know, I, let me know. That's something, you know. that's something we haven't really touched on. And that's volunteer, you know, volunteer work um, and how to market that effectively and tie that into to the whole theme of marketing your skills. You know, um, the fact that a, a soldier, not only, you know, during his time on active duty, during all the deployments, uh, had he been involved with, uh, you know, charity organizations that he works on his free time or, or what have you, you know, that's something that, that we, we need to seriously look at, tie in directly in, whether it's on the resume, whether it's a verbal discussion during an interview, uh, things like this. Those, that, uh, that semblance of, of giving goes a long way. Um, as well, you might be able to pull some, uh, there might be some management skills uh, within that, that volunteer work. There might be uh, a lot of different, trade skills involved with that um i know it's for doing it myself there's a lot you can pull from it and 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 sell so take a look at uh take a look at that and run with it i mean it's uh it's like i think rob said earlier uh rob clapper stated earlier everything you do can be marketed in some way and it's just it's just capturing that sitting down thinking about it for a moment being able to capture it and articulate it and, uh, and pitch it to a potential employer 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about in the next podcast is also about translating, um, you know, your skills and your background and such, because, again, uh, it, it kind of is marketing your skills, but then there's the, there's things that get lost in kind of translation, too. Um, so we want to touch on some of those things in the next podcast. But, you know, in kind of going back, uh, and and Rob, we, we definitely want to get back and talk about uh, YGN and what you guys do in closing, but... Um, you got to make sure when you're looking at your skills and you're marketing your skills that you understand your capabilities, get the help that you need in determining what your purpose and passion is. Uh, for some of us, we may lose it along the way. I can speak for myself that there was a period of time that I lost kind of what um, perhaps my purpose and passion was. I got off track a little bit and it was really nice to be able to sit down with an executive coach and be able to get back on track. Um, identify some of those career goals and things. If you're in uh, these exams or tests that you can take where it comes out, that's great. Uh, but if not, do some homework and understand what your strengths are, what you may be um, looking at in terms of greatest importance, of uh, weighted value. It could be that you would rather work from home than and be remote than you know be on the road all the time. You, you're tired of traveling. Uh, whatever those things are, set your priorities up. Create that personal brand and then kind of let your network know. Um, I, I think those are the, the, you know, the big pieces that we wanted to cover tonight. Uh, but I think, too, though, Rob, getting back to your Grateful Nation is how does somebody, you know, kind of get in and taking the first steps? I think someone even asked, you know, does it cost anything? Um, so let's get them pro programmed into how do they find you, um, you know, and how does it go from there? Let's do it like this. I'm an, I'm an SF guy. I'm, I'm, I've got it. I'm a year out. What do I do? Walk me through it. First step is to uh, log on to our webpage, yourgratefulnation.org. Uh, go go, uh, go to the right side of the screen. Looks like a hamburger. Click on it. Um, if you go to the bottom of the page, it actually speaks your language. Um, it will specifically say, uh, I'm actually doing it as we speak. Um, there's In the very middle of it, there's something called Special Forces Veterans. Click on it. It's going to take you to our process, and in the top right corner, so that you understand what our process is before you even apply, in the top right corner it says apply. That's it. You apply, send me your info, uh, and from there we already talked about kind of how it goes from there. Uh, we go through phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four. I do want to circle back on, and I'm not going to uh, go too far back. You were talking about the need to build, build a business network and the importance of business network and how to leverage that network. Ultimately, we use a capstone exercise at the very end before we send anybody for an interview. We host events around the country. We bring in like-minded supporters, so it's a friendly environment, but we intentionally bring three to five of our guys every time we do one of those, and we put them in that environment. And we, The reason we do that is so that they can begin to understand how to create, cultivate, and ultimately build those business relationships in a very friendly environment. So We, we actually call it a capstone exercise. Because once they've done that and they're comfortable with that, we feel very comfortable about, all right, now it's time to take the reins off and, and go into the interview phase. But to your point, Rudy, go on the webpage. You know, you can track us down on Facebook. You can track us down on Twitter. I'd much rather you prefer just go onto our webpage, hit the apply yeah, right button, and, uh, and do it. And uh, we have a 24-hour turnaround. You'll deal with me directly. Um, and then from there, we'll take it and we'll figure out kind of with a year out, We'll start talking about really what your timeline is because a year out means really uh, on any given timeline means really only nine months. Uh, let's just say most people build up enough uh, 90 day or more terminal leave. 
Um, so we're talking nine months, and by that time, we really need to be kind of leaning forward in the foxhole. And so uh, I would say, you know, log on, uh, send me your info. From that point, we'll do a follow-up, and uh, and we'll take it from there. And um, I and while that's occurring, I encourage everyone so that it's very transparent. Um, there are no, there's no guessing. Um, you know, look at our four phase, uh, our four phase approach at how we do our process, um, and uh, make sure that you're comfortable with that. And then we we take the next steps. Uh, Robert, to your point, there is no cost. Um, as a matter of fact, um, there's no cost at any point in the process. Um, so we have corporate partnerships with a custom suit manufacturer called Not Standard. So we will actually get um, every one of our guys who goes through the program is fitted for a custom suit, assuming they oh, can, wow. well, assuming they can make it to sure, New sure. York, Washington D.C., Dallas, Austin, or wherever their showrooms are. Um, and if it's really that important, we'll fly them in to get them fitted. It's not that big of a deal. But we created a corporate partnership a year ago with the folks at Not Standard uh, specifically, and they do something specific for us. Um, and so we, we help with that. Um, but uh, like I talked about, those informational interviews, um, we'll fly folks around the country. Uh, I just got somebody back from Denver, went out, looked at a company, found out it wasn't for him. Uh, it helped him make his final decision on the company that he's ultimately going to go with. Um, that's at no cost. The hotel, the transportation, we cover all of that. That's what our donors and that's what our programming dollars are, are there for. Um, our organization is set up a little bit different than most nonprofits. Um, simply put, um, our overhead expenses paid for solely by our board of directors. So every year when they adopt the budget, whatever that expense line is, they've agreed to that that's their philanthropic gift. And so that every dollar we raise outside of our board of directors is is given directly to programming, and it's so that we can help more and more guys every year. Um, and so that's really what we're that how we're uh, how our our organization is set up. So there's no cost at any point. Um, the only cost we ask, or I guess the only price we ask, is at the end. If you had a favorable experience with us, you know, spread the gospel. You know, tell your friends, tell your tell your peers, tell your counterparts. You know, guys that want to know how you, how you know you, Rudy, were able to navigate the process uh, so successfully. You know, spread the word. Um, you know, be uh, one of our evangel, you know, evangelical disciples, if you will. Um, but more importantly, uh, you know, uh, lend us your testimonial. Um, we, that's the in terms of exploitation, that's the only thing we will ever do. Because given the given the background that all of our guys come out of, that's the first immediate knee jerk. Is all right. Are you going to put me in front of a dog and pony? Are you are you putting yeah. you know you're going to parade me up and you know you know make you know make me tell you know good old war stories? And we don't do any of that. The only um, the only thing we ask is at the end you know you pay it forward. If you had a great experience, then make it a great experience for somebody else. What's the ideal timeline that uh, just to be clear? Because I mean, you said you only have a uh, nine months and a one year. So real quickly, what is the ideal timeline timeline that you would rather have somebody reach out and touch you? Ideally, as soon as someone decides that they're getting out, they need to contact us. Got it. So, um, so you're two years out, year, or, yeah, you know, nine months, two years. I've got one Navy SEAL that's two years out. Um, the the longer they have, the the more time we have them to, to make it an amazing fit. So as soon as you make that that family decision that you know uh, you're you're you made that decision and you're you're moving a different direction, you reach out. Let us be a part of that process. Um, because there's other components that we can also connect you with. Um, you know, we're not just solely focused on, you know, earlier Rudy talked about the whole principle. You know, it's the whole, 
uh, we're trying to take the entire the whole soldier into account. So there are other factors that we want to make sure we connect folks to. You know, make sure that you know you're getting a VA a Veterans Administration advocate, making sure that you you're you're doing all of these things along the way, financial planning, so that it's not all of a sudden you know one day you're doing this and the next day you're on your own. So the longer the process, the better. Ideally, um, you know, again. Uh, six six months or more, I would say, is really what we need to have. All right, great. Well, Robert, I'd like to I'd like to personally thank you, man, for for putting forward an awesome awesome organization and, and really looking out for our special operations soldiers. I mean, you guys have literally taken all of the barriers and and put it put all the onus on that operator or that uh, that soft soldier coming out of active duty and looking to transition so uh that you know that ties directly in with, with, a, with a blog i just wrote recently uh, the only the only limit to your success is you so you you've you've smashed all those hurdles and and really making it it sounds pretty pretty damn easy it's a great um, model yeah it is it is now now i you know i've got i got one more question um because we we touch a lot of people with this podcast and, and through mentors for military how does someone um a, a a philanthropist, how does another organization, another company that wants to contribute to this effort, how do they get in touch with uh, your Grateful Nation and and become a donor or a contributor in some capacity? Great question. <laughs> As the <laughs> executive director of a nonprofit, um, yeah. I, you know, I'm the consummate fundraiser. Um, go on to yourgratefulnation.org. Um, yeah. And if it's if your first inclination is you want to donate, uh, you want to donate a contribution uh, or a philanthropic gift right there at the top right corner on our homepage, it says donate. Um, and it's it, it's um, I joke and say it's friendly. Um, you know, it's basically a couple simple terms. You fill it out and uh, and you make it, and you can securely. Um, uh, but uh, secondly, um, if you're interested in doing more, uh, meaning you want to contribute, if you go, if you scroll all the way down uh, on our web page, um, it will actually tell you. Um, you'll get to an end, and it's a call to action. Um, and you'll see at the very end on the, I think it's the four screen. I'm doing it as we speak. Um, and naturally my computer is slower. Be careful not to, um, be careful not to contribute. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so at the very end, at, if you scroll all the way down, you click the down button, you'll get to a point. It says special forces, veterans, or supporters. Um, click on the supporter button. Yeah. And figure out which category you a donor, an employer, a corporate partner, and you know, click on one of those, fill out the uh, the information, and boom. Well, uh, we're good to go. Rob, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing a lot of the knowledge of uh, your Grateful Nation and not to mention uh, some of the great model programs that you guys are running and the interfaces that you're having with the private sector um, are, are definitely uh, outstanding. And uh, I think, uh, again, it's, it's a really great model to have out there. Uh, for those in the soft community, I, I definitely encourage you to, to reach out to your Grateful Nation to go through the process to see if it's a good fit. It may not be a good fit for you. As Rob said, there have been some individuals that's decided that it wasn't a good fit, but um, it's definitely worth the time and the effort and the energy to go out there and do that. So please do that. 
Um, getting back to the topic on marketing your skills, for those who've been paying attention uh, to the, the program and, and what we're trying to convey in this evening, um, hopefully you've seen the benefits of what we try to describe and what Your Grateful Nation is doing and how they utilize their process and the things that we described as well that are very important uh, to the steps of marketing your own skills and making yourself available to the private sector and, and making uh, yourself of interest. Um, and uh, I appreciate everybody that was in the Mixler chat room uh, and uh, part of the show and asking some really great questions this evening. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, podcast afterwards and you're wondering how that works, just uh, create an account on Mixler.com. That's M-I-X-L-R.com, and it'll allow you to uh, immediately come into the chat room when the show goes live. You'll get an email that tells you we're going live, and you can come in and chat with us and uh, share some experiences with those in the chat room or ask questions and such uh, be sure to check out the mentors for military uh, website and that's at mentors for for military.com and your grateful nation.org uh, so again on behalf of uh, rob clapper uh, rudy Lindsay, mike pritz scott kinder i'm robert gowan thank you so much for listening tonight and we'll see you on sunday